0: This episode is brought to you by SalesCred, the definitive book on sales credibility by our co-host Seeley Smith. Sales credibility is the quality all salespeople must have in abundance before they can ever hope to earn trust and become a trusted advisor. And SalesCred reveals how salespeople build and lose credibility with the things you say and do every day. Pick up a copy now at Amazon.com or other fine online business booksellers. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Well, you know, Lee, in all my years of public relations, and I'm sure our guests here today will agree with me, uh, Bill Coletti, listen to this. How many times have I heard a client or somebody in-house when I work both sides of the fence say, oh my God, we're in a full-blown crisis. We need a crisis plan. I'm sorry, but the, the time to say that you need a crisis communications plan is not when you're in a full-blown
2: crisis. <laughs> It's, it's sort of like going to the bank and you say, I really need a loan right now. I'm dead. It's like, it's like uh, no. And that's the time to get a loan is when you don't need a loan.
1: That's right. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel, And that's and our mascot C- in the back that's barking.
2: That's right. I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. without a mascot to do.
1: <laughs> Bill Coletti, has that happened with your clients?
3: Yeah, the quote they use is, it's, it's blowing up on Twitter. <laughs> Which is the the basically the proxy of what you just said. And and I simply don't know what to do when they say it's blowing up on Twitter. I need a little more information, but the default is I wish we had a plan or I wish we had thought about this and exactly that's the Why distinction didn't we spend between money good, on that? good companies.
1: Exactly. So Bill, thanks for coming to the show. I want to tell everybody about you. You know, when relationships are critical to business, this man and your reputation is one of the most important assets to manage, and Bill is the person to help you do that. A highly experienced and sought-after reputation management strategist and speaker, we're going to do a deep dive into the world of corporate crisis management, and we are going to address it in a COVID-19 environment. Bill is a keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal risk and compliance panelist, and the best-selling author of a book called Critical Moments, The New Mindset of Reputation Management. Wow. Okay, where do you want to start?
3: I'm ready to go wherever what's top of mind for you guys I think you know, it's is Bill on everybody's somebody, like, mind
2: right now. Something came to yeah. my mind which is you know after 9/11 you know we, we made the best of that situation and, and we all formed our disaster plans. And you know mm-hmm. and, and for a while we practiced them every year on 9/11 and everything like that. I think that's kind of waned a little bit but we still have those disaster plans. 2020 the year of you know everything is a crap storm it's like anything can happen you know from day to day you don't know you know what's going to happen is this really the year that we can to make the most of this year or whatever that we should we we should really put together the crisis plan
3: you know i am a little bit of a contrarian on the crisis plan okay. um, and so i so i think the key differentiator in true crises in true crisis events the key differentiator is speed And plans certainly make you faster, but you need to fill in a vacuum of stakeholder expectations, media questions, executive or your board of directors questions. So, speed is the key differentiator between good and great. The way you get fast, the way you get speed is a little equation that I've come up with is that it's your mission and values plus your chain of command equals speed. So, while I don't know, I walked into a client some years ago, and, and Audrey, you'll relate to this, walked into a client some years ago, and they had 28 one-inch white binders on the shelf behind the woman who was responsible for crisis. And they were alphabetically indexed, and they ran, and this was a major publicly traded retail operation, ranged from plane crash involving the CEO, it ranged from a big mm-hmm. supply chain disruption, fire, all the force majeure situations that you could have. That Christmas, at that time, they had the largest data breach in retail history. They didn't have a really good crisis plan on data breach. I think that the infinite permutations of risks that you could write a plan for is foolish. If you can get really good at, clearly articulating what you stand for, that'll make you fast. And then really understand formal and informal chain of command. You add those two things together, that'll be fast. So I would rather a company have a plan that talks about why, why we exist and what matters, and then talk about who needs to be in the room to make decisions. That is, a, that is much better than infinite permutations of crazy Ivans. Because Lee's point, nobody wrote, a COVID plan in the fall of 2019.
1: That's, yeah, I can almost guarantee that you're right. So are you saying then the idea of issues management sessions, which I love doing, um, uh, is, you know, fruitless at this point, and you should just decide who's allowed to talk under which scenario and call it you know, good, I think, good and but all that?
3: You know, I think we can talk about risk, um, and, and we love to talk about risk, and we love to talk about it issues management the way you articulate it. We love to talk about risk in advance, but the objective is not to list 28 or 59 or 200 different crazy things that could happen. We try to talk about it in three big buckets. You basically got strategic risks, preventable risks, and external risks. So absolutely, do those issues management, do those training, do simulations, because that lets you figure things out. But the exercise is not to inventory Every possible thing that could go wrong. Just focus on those three buckets. Talk about them in that context because that makes risk a little bit more manageable, strategic, preventable, and external.
1: Wow, that does make it easier. It does simplify it. So, um, what are some of the COVID nineteen prongs that your clients have needed messaging for, and that you've been working on? I'd love to hear, without naming names, you know, some of the more common things that are popping up that our listeners might get prepared for and write up for themselves.
3: Yeah, so COVID, we're, it's all now this somewhat normalized that we've all kind of figured out some things. We've got a lot of things that are changing in COVID. You know, two things come to mind. One is that this has exposed a lot of gaps in what to say and who to say it to. And that manifests itself mostly with CEOs and leaders leaders didn't realize how important internal communications was and didn't realize how how critical it was to be able to tell your story. We talk about ABC, always be communicating. We think in this vacuum of space and time that we find ourselves in COVID is you always have to be communicating and that's hard because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and uncertainty is kind of a poison to a lot of corporations. Corporations thrive on certainty. We're in an uncertain space. So we're seeing leaders really struggling to talk to their people internally. We're seeing organizations unsure of how to always be communicating. All, what what do we say how do we say it we want to be declarative and certain but the world's always changing the governor's changing the plan the mayor's changing the plan the president's changing the plan um, and so figuring out that voice is a real growth area the other thing is kind of the standard playbooks for um, reductions in force, layoff, and things like that. Um, some of those those playbooks that we used in the past don't really work right now. So a lot there. I want to stop and, and happy to talk about any one of those. But we're identifying a lot of gaps and CEOs are realizing that internal
2: communications is really darn important.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, bro- oh, go ahead, Lee. I, had a couple, I have a couple case scenarios that, that I'd like to ask you about. Uh, and, and the first one is, this might sound a little bit familiar, but let's just say that you're, you're CEO of a large company. And you come down with COVID, and you've got to and to transport to the hospital, and then others in your you know your uh, your board of directors you know also have gotten COVID, and key stakeholders within the company, and there's a possibility your customers got it might have gotten it from you as well. So who steps up to the microphone and what do they say when Twitter is blowing up?
3: Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so the CEO's off the table in this yeah. scenario. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, I hope that there's an executive vice president. I hope, you know, I typically am loathe to put general counsels up in front of microphones. I think at that point in that, Lee, and that very constraining hypothetical you put together, it's whoever is the best and can be declarative, as, as declarative as possible. So it could be a board member. It could be um, your head of HR. It really, the, the, the title at that point in your scenario doesn't really matter. Um, but they just have to really have that presence and the ability to sort of be comforting at this point, because you're not talking to the world, you're talking to your employees. And that's really who, who we use. We try, we try to avoid the, using the word stakeholder and we use the phrase matter most. That's who matters most in that crazy scenario mm-hmm. that you just defined. You got to have the person that can that can share empathy understanding and set at least a three meter path doesn't need to be the 10 meter journey, but at least a three meter path. What they say is exactly that. This is a dangerous situation. We're all on top of it. Bob, the CEO is going to be fine. We're all going to get through this, but what I need from you right now is this. And I think that part is, is really important is have a call to action so that teams can rally around something. And I don't even know what in your hypothetical what that something might be. Stay home and keep doing your job, or you know, donate money or whatever the call to action is uh, that's there. Or let's keep serving our customers um, as best we can. Um, but I think having that call to action, the last little bit that we've used with our clients, is it is okay to say our current best judgment is mm-hmm. you don't want to get locked in to saying we're going to open back on Monday because I have no idea what's gonna happen Sunday night, but our current best judgment is that we're gonna be back on Monday. And so those are, I don't care about the title of that person, they need to be empathetic and human, and what they need to say is, is declarative, but also give them room to be flexible.
2: So, that, that, so that's internally, so then my second scenario then, who steps up to the microphones, you know, when Twitter's blowing up and talks to the press about what's going on there, and, and, and what do they say?
3: Yeah. Um, First of all, I think we, we live in a premium um, right now of honesty. And I think people are okay with, transpar- they want transparency and the facts as they are. There's not really a spin. We're all in this together. The CEO is sick. But there are other members of the, of the leadership infrastructure. So I think it is, it's about honesty transparency you don't need to be full kimono everybody doesn't need doesn't need to be about eisenhower when he you know we learned about every bowel movement that he had but i think we do need to learn about the the facts of where we are and to that spokesperson in the media it is okay to say that's all i know at this point i'll get back to you some basic blocking and tackling Mm -hmm. of communications i'm okay um same rules apply i don't think we need a grand title to be that spokesperson. It really could be, you know, someone like Audrey, when she had a role um, for the company, it could be just that really high credible person. I don't think there's magic about the title since in this scenario, you've taken away a lot of the key players.
1: I was explaining to leave my sort of rule of three. You probably are very familiar with this, Bill, because I the media all they want Lee is when you go external with something like this let's say you're a CEO or you're a nursing home company and they've had an outbreak which is what was all over the news here in March yep. I, my rule was very simple just for our listeners which is you come out and you throw the media bone and you say here's what we know right now here's what we are doing right now here's what we'll be doing in the next 24 hours thank you we're done like and they go away and they do their story and then they you've got you bought yourself 24 hours it's kind of how. Does, does that seem like still a solid strategy, Bill? Or has it changed? Totally,
3: totally solid strategy. People are incredibly forgiving in this environment. We're forgiving. I think we've got a lot of higher education clients. And when this first happened in, in, excuse me, in March, spring breaks were coming or going. Most people were, were heading into their spring breaks. You needed to make super fast decisions about the kids not coming back after spring break. Everybody was very, very tolerant of the make it up as we go. Those rules changed a little bit as we entered into the fall, and so I think that yes, those basics absolutely work. No magic about who the spokesperson is. Do you
1: You're- want to talk about the credibility survey, Lee? Because I would like to broaden out with Bill a little bit and get his opinion on some of our data. We did a survey. Let me. Know we
2: did. It's like we did the State of American Credibility Survey, where we defined what credibility is and uh, and. For the respondents, we had a representative sample in the United States of over a thousand different respondents. And the least among the least credible people in the United States by profession are members of Congress, lawyers, <laughs> national news media, CEOs of publicly traded companies, and other top business executives. So let's talk about the last one there. It's like, so uh, how, you know, how do CEOs get to be so non-credible and what do you feel like they need to do to become more credible?
3: Yeah, that's a terrific, terrific question. Always be communicating. We mm-hmm. typically hear from CEOs when there is a high, high, we're gonna open a new facility or we've got a new product line or, or a this or a that or a low, low because they everybody's been taught that CEOs should run to the mic when there's a crisis. So, those are the two, sort of the high and the low when we typically hear from CEOs. We also publicly traded, we, we often hear from them on quarterly sales calls, but those are not a public venue that very few people are listening in on those. Those are kind of the three venues, and I'll take the high and the low, where people hear from publicly traded company CEOs. If they are always communicating and they are communicating not when it's the best and not when it's the worst but just when we're in the heavy snow and we're and we're we're you know trotting our way through it that is a long slow march to credibility to be honest and truthful and transparent about what we're about what we're doing you don't have to have high platitudes and you don't have to just constantly clean up the crap but it can really be get a voice when you think about high credibility, high credibility CEOs, they are, the, they are the voices that are always communicating and they're conscious to do that. So I think a redemptive path is A, always be communicating. B is be really transparent, honest, sincere, and empathetic, but also then cast a really clear vision for where, the, where you want your company to go. But it, it starts with just do it and don't save it for the best or the worst days.
1: Yeah. I think an example of a CEO who I've just, and I'm a news junkie, I can't ever not have it on, is um, the, the guy who's the CEO of Delta seems like yeah. one of those guys. He's always just. Armstrong. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're going to do the middle seats and here's why. And I rode the other day and, you know, he's just out and about doing his thing. Um, yep. So and Southwest
3: I, I, just did one. If you haven't seen it, Southwest Airlines CEO ooh. just did a really good CEO. And, you know, Southwest has, has that iconic, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of reputation of really being thoughtful. And it was totally honest and transparent about it's October 1st, the federal money is shut off and I don't know what I'm going to do on Friday. And yeah. I, hope Congress can get their act together, but if they're not, I'm going to treat you the way on Friday that I've treated you the same way that I've treated you for the past 10 years. And so I think there's a pathway to that. And and when you, you know, Audrey, when you mentioned that, those two examples, Lee, I'm sure you're familiar with the the study that's been for years now is that, you know, everybody hates Congress but loves their Mm congressman. So, I think everybody hates CEOs. But I really like that Armstrong guy I and mean, I really like that Southwest guy and I really like Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a dichotomy that I hate Congress, but I really like my congressman. I hate CEOs,
1: but I really like my guy. Yeah, it makes sense. We got about three minutes left. I want to ask you about cancel culture because I feel like in 2020, um, from a crisis communications Standpoint the rearing up of that and the mobs and people are really losing their jobs and getting fired and you know losing everything and so Are you seeing more of that and how are you counteracting that?
3: Yeah, so you know, One of the things that COVID, the, the great irony of COVID is that we also have to deal with this huge social disruption around race and e- economic inequality. And there are huge issues that our society is dealing with right now. And so we have got this global pandemic and we've got this issue as well, you know, specifically around race. And we sort of call that social risk. And this aspect of social risk, risks that impact populations, that impact people, and cancel culture culture is just a symptom of that. We're seeing more companies struggle now in the fall of 2020, more companies struggle with what and how to say around Black Lives Matter and what to say about racial justice than they are struggling with all of the weirdness of of COVID. And that's saying a whole Mm. lot. And so, That goes back to that point about mission and values. What do you stand for as a company? What's really important to you? Chain of command, who are you going to listen to? And so I think cancel culture right now, um, companies are moving too slow in making their decisions. They're using some old adages that, that I've coached against that says, hey, that's not our lane. We're an industrial widget maker. That's not our space, we're not Patagonia or Disney or Google. We don't need to be out front on that. Your stakeholders are really ma- really care about that stuff, and so having an opinion on it matters. Council, cancel culture specifically broadly defined by lots of different people, but it's basically a proxy for social risk and population groups, groups of people that we need to react to um, and companies are slow. We are guiding companies to Think and talk about some of these issues, not because you want to say, do a press release, but think and talk about it because you gotta, it, it's going to hit you for recruitment. It's going to hit you for values. It's mm-hmm. going to hit you for your culture. So mm-hmm. think about them now and talk about them. Managing cancel culture itself, longer answer, but, but happy, to, happy to go in a little bit deeper. But the issue is about social risk and thinking about these populations that are impacted.
2: So let's say you're a middle line manager then and you're asked by a member of the press then to, to give a statement about something going on in your company but you know that you shouldn't do that. What advice can you give to those middle managers then to deflect that and to, and to redirect the reporter then to the, to the proper spokesperson within the company?
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't answer that question but I'm happy to get you in touch with somebody who can give you a really good answer pretty straightforward. Yep. I, I, I don't think it's it's, it's really new, no, no more complex than that.
1: Yeah, we had a trick at this uh, PR firm I worked for in Denver. She said, no matter who's calling, you say, I'm in the middle of a meeting, I will call you back in five minutes. And then you hang up on the reporter and then you call your client and then you regroup and then you call them back.
3: <laughs> totally. <laughs> <like it>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in charge. We're, we, are, we are in charge in any one of these d- dynamic situations. And, and we get to be, you know, try to sc- scrap back to get to
2: offense. Yeah, th- exactly. their, their deadline and their urgency doesn't have to be your urgency. No, exactly. no. deadlines
3: are, you know, in this age of social, deadlines are, are a flexible concept at this mm-hmm. point.
1: Well, Bill, this has been great. Kith.co, C-O is the website. Your Twitter is Kith underscore C-O. Facebook, Kith Consults. And LinkedIn is kith-consulting. I could talk for 24 straight hours about this with you because I just, it's my jam. I love it. But I think the tips have been really helpful and informative for sure.
3: Uh, it's awesome. It's great to be with you guys. And, we, and on our website, kith.co, we're gonna do kith.co backslash manage smarter. And we've got a couple Woo-hoo. of bi- bits of information and some resources that we just a little bit, some things we talked about here on the call.
2: So, yeah, absolutely. And we'll put those in the show notes for everybody. So if you cool. weren't able to catch that, you click on the link in the show notes and I'll take you straight there.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Bill. This has been great. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for doing what you
3: guys do. It's great stuff.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.